Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hey Look Listen. My name is Liam Sheehan, and I'm joined here once again by Kevin O'Carroll. Kev? Hi, Liam. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing pretty good. You know what I was thinking of recently, actually, is that uh, you've done so many episodes at this point, but you haven't, like, introed it yet. Oh, true. I think I should just fucking throw an intro at you someday. Yeah, yeah, just unexpected. Just like we're recording now. Go. Go. Do it now. No, don't. It's fine. But I was talking to Owen recently, and, I, and Owen hasn't been able to do the podcast for ages because he's... Uh, He's getting married, so he's like incredibly busy. But you know, soon when I become the Great Bridge and I bring the two of you together, potentially, uh, and with all three of us, will do an episode together. Yeah, yeah, just like a just like some sort of royal marriage, uniting our houses. <laughs> you know, when I bring the houses together, the hey look and listen houses together, and maybe you can intro an episode. Then that's um, yeah. so that's a, something I'm throwing on you now. But for now, we're doing a game that's very near and dear to my heart. But Kev, what's going on? Are you playing anything interesting at the moment? Uh, yeah, at the moment I'm playing a game that I think you may have mentioned on the podcast before, or maybe that was in real life, I don't remember anymore, but it is uh, Yakuza 0, the first, the prequel to the Yakuza series. Yeah, we were talking about Yakuza, I think, was it even the last episode, I think? I don't know, buddy. I was playing, I was lost all meaning. I was briefly, I actually didn't keep up on it for reasons, but I was actually briefly playing Yakuza Like a Dragon, I think I talked about it for a sec. Yes, okay, that's that's what put it into my mind. But I have played Um, Yakuza Zero, how are you finding it? It is bonkers. (laughs) I know nothing nothing about the the franchise, so I don't know, like, I don't know these characters, I don't know who sticks around or who is just in this game, I don't know whether the plot that I'm playing through now has any sort of relevance for the rest of the series. I assume it does, but I, all I know is that the game is absolutely batshit. It's both, and I'm loving it. It's both really self-serious and insane at the same time, which is yeah. great. Like a Metal Gear Solid game, in a way. Yeah, but it's, it, it takes it to extremes. Like, the silliness is so, so silly. Like, the, the over-the-top karaoke minigames and stuff. But then the seriousness. Like, the, the main plot at the point I'm at so far is basically about the main character just working for a real estate firm. Oh yeah, because it's set in the 80s. So yeah. they set it around um, <laughs> greedy real estate agents buying up land, uh, buying up buildings and stuff. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he couldn't get out of the Yakuza fast enough, just leave all that organized crime stuff behind and just work in a real estate agency. And I am absolutely here for it. It's mad, but I'm loving it. <laughs> I, um, I've only played, this is the only one in the series I've played as well. Okay. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I literally looked up. I was like, do I need to play the other? I wanted to get into the series. I was like, literally into Google, I think I typed in, is Yakuza 0 a good place to start? Uh, and it was like, and people were saying, yeah, look, other than the very first one, this is this is, this is chronologically the, the first game in the story, so it's a perfect place to start. And I believe, Kev, now I'm almost in dark as you are, but I believe it really is the beginning of the story. Like I, there's characters in it who go on to be like major players going on and stuff like that. But I also believe that in every game, he leaves the Yakuza for plot for plot for, for plot related reasons. Now I don't know. I could be wrong. I know there's a bunch of playable characters in that series, but I believe um, yeah. uh, Kiryu. Kiryu, I believe he's like Yakuza with a heart of gold, who doesn't actually kill people. Who leaves the Yakuza for kind of honorable reasons is pretty much the kind of plot point in each of the games. <laughs> yeah, because going into it, I kind of knew that there was going to be an over-the-top plot, and I knew that there was going to be very, very silly sort of mini-games and tons of side questy type stuff. Um, but what, what's really surprised me with it is how much I'm enjoying the combat. It, yeah, it's good. Like, it looks from sort of a, from a distance or at a surface level, it looks like a very straightforward sort of 3D brawler type thing. But it, there's just something really satisfying and kinetic about it. It just... It plays really well. Yeah, doesn't he have a fighting style where he can, you can just 
pick a button and he automatically picks up things that are nearby, like you know, yeah. garbage cans or street signs, and you can just weaponize them and it's just really sort of satisfying. Yeah, and it has these like over the top like finisher cans where like you'll yeah, pick yeah. up a bike and he'll like implant it into someone's skull. And yeah. then the game will always make the point of like it cuts out of the fight and the three guys you've basically you've definitely just murdered are now somehow okay and they're like sitting and they're getting their breath back and they're like oh we won't bother you anymore yeah yeah and, the way, and when you defeat them as well it's both violent and really cartoony because yeah there is blood but they also explode into money like cash yeah. cash and coins fly out of them yeah yeah i i, um, I want to go and play more of those um i find i, I find i found yakuza zero zero badly paced that's my kind of main yeah. thing about it is that it's like it's really fun to go off the beaten path and do all, all the mental side quests because that's where the real kind of joy of that game lies. But when you combine that with the really quite long main plotline, I actually found it very, um, I don't know, longer than it, like, it felt longer than it was. I got, kind of felt bogged down because I had these grand plans of going, oh, this is a new thing I love now. I'm just going to keep playing them. But after yeah. Yakuza 0, I had to take a break and I haven't quite got back into it yet. Yeah, the, the sort of the, the chapters, the pacing of the main quest is a little bit plotting like it, it's i don't know is it a spoiler to say that there's two protagonists in the game because i don't uh, no. i don't know anything about the rest of the franchise <laughs> but it's basically you spend two chapters getting set up with the first protagonist and then it cuts and you get spend two chapters getting set up with the second guy mm-hmm. and then it cuts back and every time you feel like you're getting any bit of momentum going it'll cut to the other story and while both stories if the, if you let them run for a while could get the ball rolling and get a bit of momentum behind them jumping back and forth between the two is kind of you know, it really kills the pacing every time. Yeah, but it leaves you in an exciting cliffhanger like a TV show every time it jumps back between them. You know, like you, you when you jump back to um, Majima or something like that, you, you've left Kiryu in like some exciting, how will he get out of this one kind of situations, you know? Yeah, except the, the first time it happens, you, you when you cut back from Majima, you're going back to Kiryu and you're expecting to go back into a tense situation. And like the first mission is him going suit shopping. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I will just... Uh, like all the exciting Yakuza-based activities that happened in that game, re- really enough, one thing that stands out in my mind is, don't you have to buy alcohol for homeless people at one point? Yep, yep. That's There's like one... on the main quest line. That's, that's a main quest, yep. Bonkers. Perfect. Anyway, Liam, what are you playing at the moment? I'm actually, um, I've, I've, I haven't done a full episode on this franchise yet, but I bring it. It's one of those ones, I have about five games that I bring up any time I can sure. <laughs> on this podcast. And uh, I'm currently replaying... The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. I was going to guess Ace Attorney. Were you going to guess Ace Attorney, yeah. Kev? Yeah, because I played it last year when it came out and didn't finish it. And mm. I was like, I'm going to go back to that. And I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't just go back to where I was. I had to start the whole thing again. So now I am further than I've ever been. So I've gotten past where I got the last time and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's um probably up there as the, some of the best in the franchise. I'll have to finish. Oh, really? Second. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll have to finish the second one before I decide that, but it's definitely um, definitely up there. But I will say, kind of similar to how we're talking about Yakuza, even in comparison to the other Ace Attorney games, which are very glacial-paced visual novels. Yeah. Like, when you're playing these things, you're kind of, like, if you're in a mood to play a visual novel like Ace Attorney, you're kind of sinking in. You know, you're like, ah, I'm here to read, mostly, you know, I, I don't care. <laughs> but even in comparison to the other ones, this game is incredibly slow-paced. Yeah. Everything takes ages. Every conversation takes ages. Every little puzzle segment takes ages. Because this game is two Ace Attorney games um, sold for the price of one. So when you pack the two of them together, it actually just feels like a little bit overwhelming how long this thing is and how long it's taken me to get through it. Yeah. Is it possibly not intended to be played, the two of them back to back? Yeah, maybe because they were released as two separate games in Japan yeah. originally. 
So yeah, perhaps. But uh, would you ever do it that way? Uh, like the, the the original Ace Attorney trilogy is has a, a kind of a, a backbone through line of plot going through it. Mm-hmm. But in comparison to these two, it's it's very negligible. These two really like do feel like proper sequels to each other, and okay. plot, plot elements in the second game are like circling back to stuff that happens in the first game. So they they are very much companion pieces. So it's both, they're, they're both. It's both very long to get through and very kind of oddly paced, but also kind of perfectly packaged together at the same time. Interesting, yeah. But it has one of my absolute favorite English localizations I've ever seen in a game. They absolutely knocked it out of the park. I should like learn the names of the translators because the amount of effort and work that they made to make the the writing, you know, just like like really well written, like really witty, really funny, but also deal with all the accents there in the game because this one is yeah. based mostly in London. So you have, you know, you have English people, you have Scots, you have an Irishman, and I can't even make fun of the Irishman because they did him really well. He sounds that the writing in it sounds like an Irish person. It really absolutely nailed it, and that makes the game so much more fun to play as well. Awesome, yeah. And I believe it, it has some new, like, in investigating mechanics as well, doesn't it? Yeah, the new stuff is kind. It's fun, and it's very well animated. Basically, I talked about this before, but, like, Sherlock Holmes is in this game, but his name yeah. is Sherlock Holmes. So there's these bits where... He's probably uh, he's probably my favorite character in the whole franchise. Oh, I wow. I love how they characterize him. He's kind of a doofus. He's kind of like an arrogant doofus who's also sort of a genius, and he's prone to like bouts of melancholy. And he's just he just tromps onto the scene and brings his nonsense, and he's fucking hilarious. <laughs> but he does this thing where there's mystery afoot in in, in the non-trial sections of the game, the investigation parts, and he comes on. And he's trying to figure out what's happening, and he's. Doing all, he's literally dancing around the room, pointing at things, and spotlights are, are like, oh, this lamp was is cracked, and yada, and he's pointing out, um, you know, evidence for this mystery, but everything he says is like completely wrong. So you, <laughs> so you got to jump in after and kind of um, fix all the things he makes, all the mistakes he pointed out. But in terms of a mechanic, it's always really basic. There's okay. no, there's no challenge. But in terms of presentation, they're always really fun and really funny. So it's kind yeah. of that kind of balance. You know, like I said, be in the mood for um, an interactive, colorful book. Before you start, before you start playing the game, because that's what it is. But it's a very, very good one. Fantastic. Will we go on to the main event? Yeah. To keep um, to keep our podcast relevant, Kev. This time we're talking about a 32 year old game. Mm-hmm. But but we're also we're also keeping relevant because you know yeah there's there's a long belated sequel to this franchise coming out soon. So it's not really? a, so we're not just going back um, to a game that came out in 1990 because we're two nostalgic assholes, are we? No, that that definitely is a factor as well, though. It's the main factor, isn't it? Yeah. But we're talking about The Secret of Monkey Island, and just one moment, it is a 1990 point-and-click adventure game developed and published by LucasArts. It takes place in a fictional version of the Caribbean during the Age of Piracy. The player assumes the role of Guybrush Threepwood, a young man who dreams of becoming a pirate, and explores fictional islands while solving puzzles. So, yeah, I, I said there a while ago, I always bring up Ace Attorney whenever I can in this podcast. Yeah. That goes double for Monkey Island. I bring it up all the time. That's why I was confident it was going to be Ace Attorney, because I knew we were talking about Monkey Island now. <laughs> you really didn't think Ban- Banjo-Kazooie, maybe, you know? Oh, damn, you're right. But this is um, one of my favorite franchises. I've never been, um, I've never been, it's never been a secret on this podcast. I bring it up all the goddamn time. But how about you? What's your story with Monkey Island, Kev? My story with Monkey Island is basically, I heard about it in the 90s. I didn't play it. Yeah. Um, I became friends with you. I heard about it about weekly 
for the past decade since. But I, I talk still... about other things as well. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. But normally you talk about Wrecked Among the Island. Yeah. Um, and then finally, earlier this year, I sat down and I played it. What, and... you play? what, did, you, what did you play it on? I played it on, on PC. Got it on Steam. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, I got the, the, the remake, the special edition or whatever. Um, and yeah, it turns out you've been right this whole time. It's great. It's, it's very interesting because the secret of Monkey Island was specifically the one we're talking about today, which is the first game in the franchise. It's so ingrained in my childhood, ingrained in my memory, that it's almost difficult to stand outside it and kind of gauge it. Like, is it a, is it a good point-to-click adventure game for back then? Is it a good point-to-click adventure game for now? These are the sort of things, you know, like it's so intrinsic to the genre. It's so intrinsic to my childhood. I can't really judge it, but it's so interesting to hear you played it for the first time in 2022 and you really liked it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really liked it. I think um, there are some games that maybe they aren't necessarily the, the first one to do a, a genre, but but they are kind of the ones that popularize it. I'm thinking of things like Metal Gear Solid for stealth games or Doom for first-person shooters. And I think Secret of Monkey Island is kind of that for point-and-click games. It's just the one that kind of did it the best earliest. Yeah, it's definitely that. And it's so funny because it is often regarded as the kind of progenitor, but it absolutely isn't. This is a genre that was going through all through the 80s. Um, yeah. Like, this isn't even the first, like, LucasArts, or there were Lucasfilm games at the time, um, point-and-click adventure game. You know, this isn't even the first one they did. But yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it's really remembered as being, like, the first one. But what it did do was popularize it further, but also, like, one of the main things it did was it was kind of its tone, you know? This isn't the first humor-based point-and-click adventure game, but it, maybe it's the first one that started poking fun at its own genre. It was almost like a parody of point-and-click adventure games while also functioning as like a really good one, you know? Yeah, I think that was a big part of the development of it. Because it was developed by three guys who I suppose we should name drop. It's um, Tim Schafer, who also made the excellent Grim Fandango, which uh, you guys did an episode on, I believe number 32 uh well worth a listen really interesting game um and then there was also dave grossman who i believe made day of the tentacle uh, with tim schaefer with schaefer yeah, yeah yeah and i think dave grossman also went on to work in telltale for a bit yeah um and then there's the brains of the operation uh, a guy called ron gilbert um, and, they, and they made this game do you know where they designed this game do you know where they programmed it was it at Skywalker Ranch? It really was. It awesome. absolutely was. They, because because Lucasfilm, obviously, it's Lucasfilm, Star Wars man, George Lucas, and this was his his the, the video game wing of his empire. And yeah, they got a little office at Skywalker Ranch where he lives, but they couldn't work on it during the weekend because they were just told, no, 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 he, Lucas, uh, George Lucas will allow employees in his, to, to mill about his mansion working Monday to Friday. If you want to do any overtime on your little game, you can't. Like your offices is closed. You know this is his house. Here's the thing about point-to-click adventure games: is like I've ta- I've talked about this extensively in this podcast. <laughs> uh, I did an episode on Monkey Island Two before. It's weird. I've already done one on the sequel, but now we're doing one on the first game. But this isn't. This episode is not going to be that. What I did for Monkey Island Two, which is basically a walkthrough, and I went through it with a fine-tooth comb about how how um how I think the puzzles work in that game and how they don't. This is more just a discussion, obviously. But it is kind of that thing with, with point-to-click adventure games that you've played many times before. Like I said, I can't even judge the puzzles anymore, Kev, because I know how they're, they're solved. I figured them out when I was a kid. I figured them out before the days of walkthrough, so I was like playing this game for months and months, you know? Yeah. 
but how did you find them now as an adult man? What did, the, like, it's a big question. You can't just answer for the whole game, but is there anything kind of like that stands out? Would you find this game fair? Did you find the game puzzles, the puzzles interesting all these years later? For the most part, yeah, for sure. I think there are a couple of puzzles that really stand out as a little bit bullshit. It wouldn't be a fucking point-to-click adventure game without a couple of bullshit puzzles. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, there's some where I basically still don't really know what the solution is. I just threw everything <laughs> I had at it, and then the game let me move forward. Um, I'm thinking of the... There's a bit where you have to haggle with a boat salesman. Yeah, I, I like that puzzle in theory, not in execution. It really is yeah. just... You're, you're supposed to haggle with him. But all you have to do is keep repeating the same kind of couple of phrases to make him seem like you're really not interested in the ship. Yeah, I, I, like I've, I've I've looked it up after the fact, and I get the idea that you're supposed to like he offers you all these optional extras, like a used car salesman, and you're kind of like shooting him down, and mm-hmm. you have to show that you're willing to walk away. So you have to end the conversation a couple of times. But yeah, and I get what they were going for with that. But when I was playing it, I was just like. I don't understand. I'm just going to choose every dialogue option over and over again until the game lets me move. Especially in a game like this as well, where you're quite, when things aren't working like that, you're quite concerned that you miss something. Yeah. So you might think there's more to the puzzle than there is, but it isn't. It is just a matter of, of speaking to him. But speaking of actually, of course, it's possible to get stuck in this game. Mm-hmm. One of the kind of main differences that this brought to the genre, and it came from Ron Gilbert, who kind of always hated the aspect of uh, being punished in these games. Yeah. So these are kind of uh, adventure games. Obviously, you know, you wander around, you talk to people, you solve puzzles. And he never thought like it was a really good idea to be able to like die doing that, mm-hmm. to be kind of punished for doing this puzzle or not having this item. Like the LucasArts biggest kind of, not rivals, but, you know, contemporaries in the business of the time would have been Sierra and they made games like King's Quest and the Space Quest and yada yada. And they, they were crazy like that if you... If you didn't grab an item on hour one, there might be a puzzle in hour six that you can't solve. Or if you decide to examine this thing, suddenly a troll will come out and eat you. And for true no fault of your own, you're dead now. That kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Monkey, Secret of Monkey Island was a big deal for taking away your ability to die. There's no fail state in this game. So it is just kind of a game that wants you to just kind of be in it. If you're stuck, just kind of wander around, just kind of be in it. And that's kind of... It's kind of one of the main reasons why I considered, like, even though we were saying this isn't the first point to click adventure game, it's not the first adventure game, but it's always where I kind of begin my love for the genre. When I go back and look at other point to click adventure games, even other LucasArts adventure games, like before this was Maniac Mansion. Yeah. Did you ever play that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You can actually play Maniac Mansion in its sequel, Dave the Tentacle. Oh, cool. If if you're playing Dave the Tentacle, you can examine a computer and then you can play all of Maniac Mansion. That's how I originally played that game. Um, so cool. But you could die in that. You could absolutely fail. But it's kind of why all the kind of adventure games before The Secret of Monkey Island, I kind of look at as interesting curios. I look at them as uh, uh, the kind of early versions of a genre I really love, but ones games that I couldn't really quite enjoy myself. For me, Monkey Island is the beginning because of that just that that main choice and it changes the whole thing yeah it absolutely does um and that's like i said even the bits in the game where i did get kind of stuck um it never got hugely frustrating because it's just the game is a really cool place to hang out yeah i think that's that's a big part of the charm it's the combination of the the art style and the excellent excellent music (laughs) yeah um, and, and obviously the, the writing and the characters and stuff that is that if you find 
you're at an impasse. The best thing to do is probably go around and talk to everyone again and see what's up and try something else. Well, it just yeah, happens that, that talking to all these people is kind of cool. So, yeah, it's a fun, goofy, stupid pirate adventure game. It's heavily based on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Yeah, at, at Disney World and on Stranger Tides. You know that novel? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never read it, but I no. believe it's good. Yeah, it's um, you know, ghost pirate fantasy adventure. Um, so that was kind of Ron Gilbert's two big inspirations, especially the Pirates of the Caribbean, right? So, kind of um, fantasy pirate adventure, but a, a comedy version. So it's very much a kind of a deconstruction of the genre. It managed to be a deconstruction of the kind of uh, fantasy pirate adventure story and a deconstruction of a point-and-click adventure game, which is like a really interesting thing to do that early on. Yeah, in the in the genre, so it's a lot of kind of. Um, what I kind of refer to as anti-puzzles in this game, where this is the kind of thing that the, the series dropped, but the game is very happy to kind of make a joke about a puzzle rather than having you solve the puzzle. Kind of an example would be on, on the first island you're in, uh, Melee Island, you, you the, the Guybrush Streetwood is trying to become a pirate. That's essentially the plot. And the three pirate leaders, the elders on the island, they send, send them off these three tasks. And one of them sends you to the governor's mansion to uh, steal this idol. Mm-hmm. But you walk through a room in the governor's mansion and the screen doesn't follow Guybrush. Yeah. Instead, one of the mysterious villains, um, the sheriff of Melanon, follows him in. And there's a big fight scene happening behind the the wall that you can't see. But you can see the inventory system, like where all the verbs are, the open, the look at, the pick up. And you can see Guybrush picking up items and like hitting the sheriff with them. And you can see him picking up and like look at you know swarm of gophers, and you're supposed to be seeing all like all this ridiculous stuff is supposed to be happening behind the wall that you're not seeing. Now, a newer point to click adventure game wouldn't have a sequence like that, I think. Like even Mon- even by the time you get to Monkey Island Two, that game is much more interested in being this kind of clockwork <laughs> puzzle, you know, this big puzzle that interconnects the whole game together. While the secret of Monkey Island is like we're going to have this whole sequence where there's no puzzle. We just want to do this funny kind of. Uh, piss take of the yeah. genre you know we're going to make it look like Guybrush is, is having this ridiculous bo- boss fight almost that he's solving all these puzzles by himself that he's dealing with all this stuff that you can't see behind the wall you know yeah that section is particularly memorable as well because it goes on far longer than it should <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah but it's like the it's, sideshow it's, bob rake standing on rake exactly yeah it's one of these things that sort of crosses the line twice in that yeah. it start it starts off a bit silly and then it if you know it becomes funny and then it drops off and you're like i can't believe this is still happening and then 30 seconds later you're like, actually no this is quite funny again yeah it's like right after that bit guybrush gets you know a rock tied to his leg by the villain and gets thrown into the water and like again there's no puzzle it just turns out he can hold his breath for 10 minutes and you just pick up the pick up the rock and you just walk out that's yeah. like do i think that makes it a better point to click adventure game no not really i tend to prefer the kind of the later ones that, like I said, are more kind of interested in being kind of intricate puzzle games, for lack of a better term. But it is kind of one of the main things that gives the first Monkey Island game its personality. That's what it's one of the main things I think of when I think of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the sense of humor is key to the whole thing. Mm. I saw a really interesting um, quote from Ron Gilbert about it um, and about how sort of the development of the game was structured. Is that sort of they wanted it to be funny. But they, the three guys, all had very different senses of humor, and like the first drafts were being were, were coming across really inconsistent until it got to a point where Ron Gilbert, sort of as 
the head of the project split Tim Schafer and Dave Grossman to do completely different sections, sort of get out from under each other's feet. Interesting. So we figured that the best way to balance the sort of the sense of humor of the whole thing was to have them all work on separate discrete parts and then him as the sort of leader blending it all together. And whatever whatever wizardry or or recipe you hit upon, it really <laughs> works because the game, it, it's like, it, it's writing from a game from 30 years ago and it still fully made me chuckle several times. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And, there, and there's, there's things to take for granted these days. Like, I don't know if... Other people might regard this as an iconic piece of gaming history, but I absolutely, absolutely do. The insult to sword fighting. Oh yeah. Had yeah. you did you know about that before you played this game? Not how it was implemented or anything. I knew that it was a thing, but I didn't know any of the lines or how it actually plays out in the game. And yeah, I'm so- glad I didn't because I. <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed it. Good, good, because it's a little bit janky. It's a little bit doesn't quite work. It's a little bit more tedious than it needs to be. But you kind of forgive it because it's so charismatic. It's so goddamn interesting. Yeah. And just to explain it, it's uh, Guybrush needs to for one the, one of the things he needs to do to impress the pirate leaders is, is defeat the sword master of Mela Island. But it turns out that you can't just get a sword and start fighting pirates to train. When pirates fight each other, they need to sling insults at each other. And so, so you wander around Mellow Island and you start fighting random pirates and they'll throw an insult and there's exact retorts that you have to find and choose. <laughs> but before you can choose that retort, you have to hear another pirate use it first so Guybrush can learn it. And it's just you wandering around trying to find um, really interesting uh, insults. And I think, personally, it's kind of sacrilege for some Monkey Island fans. The best version of this concept is in the third Monkey Island game. Oh, but interesting. Because in the third Monkey Island game, you're doing it on on the sea. You're doing it on your ship, and oh, the, cool. and the pirate rule is that when you're on when you're not on land, um, all insults have to rhyme. But I remember as a, as a little kid, maybe not getting some of the kind of insults, but just finding it utterly like enchanting. I don't mind saying it. Just finding it just yeah. so charming and so different from anything else I was playing at the time. Uh, do you want a, a little tidbit of information that might ruin that for you? Oh, Jesus, no. Yeah. Is this our back and forth? Is this is this the back and forth we're going to develop on the thing, right? Yeah, I, I get all wide eyed and excited, and you just crush my dreams. Yeah. Do you know who co-wrote the insults for that section in the first game? I actually do. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't actually remember this. I genuinely <laughs> didn't remember this until you just said it there. It's um, yeah. Orson Scott Card, isn't it? Yeah. Noted science fiction author and bigot Orson Scott Card. Yeah. Look, you know Orson Scott Card is a scumbag. <laughs> Yeah. And I completely forgot he wrote for Monkey Island. Yeah, it's, that's, 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 it's a damn shame, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That's, does that mean we have to throw the game out now? Throw the game out or throw this episode out? Oh, yeah. We should probably, <laughs> probably do both. <laughs> but um, Monkey Island, in terms of Monkey Island's uh, setting, it, it's based on two islands, okay? It begins on Melee Island, which is this stereotypical kind of wretched hive of scum and villainy for pirates. <laughs> And it, it it also said on the titular Monkey Island, which is a kind yep. of um, a jungle island filled with uh, cannibals and a secret uh, network of lava caves underneath it. But what I always like for my Monkey Islands, I'm, I'm going to talk about two and three here for a second. Yeah. Is how, despite its setting, despite it being a kind of a, whatever it is, Kev, 16th, 17th century pirate adventure. Mm-hmm. The settings are often very, they're both very contemporary and they're very mundane. So there's a lot of kind of like in Monkey Island 3, you go to a a pirate retirement island, you know, and one of its main settings is just this really sleepy chain hotel that used to be like huge, but it's now kind of dying. 
And I love that. You In Monkey Island 2, you go to an island that's constantly celebrating Mardi Gras and stuff like that. So it's very kind of a fantastical mix with the ordinary. And I don't think Monkey Island 1 quite has that yet. They're very traditional settings. Now, they are... Yeah. They are parodies they're, they're funny versions of these traditional settings but in terms of like me kind of like if i was to rank all the islands you visit in monkey island and i won't <laughs> but, <laughs> that's a separate episode it's a separate episode I, I don't even think despite how iconic they are and how um how they're the bedrock i don't even think melee and monkey would kind of rate really for me even though i do love monkey island the way it's just it's just lifeless jungle island but all the inhabitants of it, be it the, the zombie pirate, the, the ghost pirates that are living underneath it, the cannibals that live in the north of it, and the monkeys, and and, uh, uh, and the hermit who lives on the island. They're yeah. all passing each other kind of passive-aggressive notes that they're leaving all around the island. And I absolutely love that. <laughs> that's like, uh, actually, I think that's genuinely my favorite bit of humor in, in all of the first game. I love those little kind of P- almost PTA-esque notes they're leaving for each other around the island. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like a, it's like disgruntled housemates leaving notes, not <laughs> "Don't eat my butter," you know. <laughs> yeah. But Kevin, you played this uh, this year. Did you play um, the new version of it? Because this got a HD re-release in two thousand and ten, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I did. I played that. Um, so I've I've never experienced the original version, though I have seen a lot of footage of it, and I am glad that I played the newer version. I think without the affection that you've had for the past 30 years with it. I don't know if I would have been able to handle the... Yeah, I got you. The, just how clunky the interface seems in that older version. Well, it, that's weird, because oh, well, I would, yeah, exactly, kind of, to massively hammer home your point, I don't, I think the old interface is way less clunky, but that just could be because I played it so many times, you know? I, uh, um, it's really weird, because the newest Monkey Island, Return to Monkey Island, which, as we record this, is coming out in about a week. Yeah. It is um, getting a lot of um, controversy for its um, visual, its art style. Yeah. And, yeah, which is a shame, you know, because this is a game that, like, essentially just a franchise that was gone for 10 years plus, and we're finally getting another one, and people are bitching about it. But is it not also a franchise that has, like, reinvented its visual look with pretty much every release? Uh, yeah, so 100%. It would, it would be weird if they didn't try a different art style for this. Yeah, it's very odd for Monkey Island, for, of all franchises, to get this kind of hatred slung at it because I haven't really been happy with a Monkey Island art style since maybe 1997. Okay. Like, like genuinely, going back to Monkey Island 3, and even Monkey Island 3, I'm sure it was a huge graphical change. Like It was a completely <laughs> different art style than 1 and 2, so I'm sure there's even hardcore fans who don't even like 1, or sorry, don't even like the graphics of 3. But just um, salient is that I, when, when Monkey Island HD remake came out in 2010, when when the re-release of 1 and 2 with the new graphical art style, I actually don't really like the new art style. And oh. I don't mean that in, in a kind of mean way, because when, when, when this game was coming out, I was like obsessed that they were finally like re-releasing these two games. The main reason for my obsession was, was to finally see these games voice acted. Yeah. Because the original two were text only, and... Uh, the, the voice actor for Guybrush Streetwood, uh, Dominic Armato, I believe he's just like one of my like favorite voice actors ever. When I see him interviewed, I can't, it, it weirds me out. Do you ever see Simpsons actors do Simpsons voices? And you're like, ah, you're yeah. kind of like, oh, why is, it, why is that? Why is Moe's, you know, voice coming out of Hank Azaria? It's creeping me out. 
I find that with him. That voice is so intrinsic to my childhood, so fundamentally attached to Guybrush Reaper that I find I, I find it so strange coming out of a human being. So I was delighted when those two games got re-released that he got to he got to voice act for like basically the whole franchise now. He got to do the two he never got to do. And I think the voice acting in the two remakes is fantastic. But the art style, I was following this game online before it came out because I was just chomping at the bit. And when the screenshots came out, when the concept art came out, I was like, lads, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's kind of a mixture of the art style of Monkey Island 3, but very much its own thing. But now that I've played those a few times, I'm like, no, they don't really capture the spirit of those original two games. Okay. So for me, you know, and that's the thing, that's why it's interesting having, having you played, played this game once now when you're adult, but me who maybe has this kind of preconceptions about it. There's something about the simplicity and the kind of, uh, the kind of darker style of Monkey Island 1 that the, the new art style does not capture. So I'm, so I'm very kind of used to this idea of being kind of unhappy with the Monkey Island art style, but I don't, you know, bitch about it on Twitter and make the creator of the game, you know, quit Twitter. You know, that's not yeah, that was that was really disappointing to see. Um, yeah, I suppose it, it's kind of any fandom is going to have its sort of shittier elements, and those shittier elements all have Twitter feeds. So every like every fandom, like every single one, yeah, just have their crap elements. But but Guy Guybrush Threepwood, the main character, he's he's one of my all time favorites. I feel like every time I talk about Monkey Island, I have to say like, this is one of my all time favorite. This all time, he's one of my all time favorite video game protagonists. But the interesting thing about him is that he kind of changes from game to game. He's not super consistent with, with how he's characterized. He's kind of almost kind of, you know, he is what the game needs him to be. Yeah. You know, and in Monkey Island one, he's kind of a blank doofus. He's sort of just, He's just like the only we don't the only we don't get backstory from him. We only know he washes up on, on Melee Island and he just wants to become a pirate. Yeah. He falls in he falls in love with the governor and needs to rescue her. That's like all he is. He's kind of a young, idealistic doofus who wants to be a pirate for some reason, even though like it doesn't suit him. That's kind of the eternal joke of Monkey Island, is that he's this kind of affable soft boy. Why would he ever want to be a pirate? You yeah. know? But in the old art style of Monkey Island, and this could be me just being painfully nostalgic of the art is so simple. The sprite is so simple on Guybrush that it gives him an eternally blank expression. Yeah. Like he's literally drawn with just a dot for an eye and a line for a mouth. And I don't know why in that first game, a lot of the humor for me comes from just how much of a blank doofus he looks. And <laughs> and you completely lose that in the new one. You completely lose it. And I, like I said, you know, when you're big, big enough fan of something nitpicky, 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 but that's kind of one of my main things why I prefer the old art style. And unfortunately, with these re-releases in Monkey Island 2, you can play with the new art style. Sorry, with the old art style, but you can keep the new voice acting on. Yeah. And that is like chef's kiss. That's like the perfect way to play Monkey Island 2. But with Monkey Island 1, they didn't give you that option. If you wanted to voice acting, you have to do the new art style. And, um, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, if you were if you were recommending someone play The Secret of Monkey Island, would you recommend that they play the original version? Without, probably, the, without the voice acting. Yeah, but I'm probably wrong. Okay. I would like I would probably say to them, you know, you're playing, you know, The Secret of Monkey Island. It's a very, you know, MS DOS nineteen ninety game, you know. Why well, just experience it when it came out? But then I play a game in my adulthood that I never played when I was a kid and I'm actually I'm just like absolutely not playing the old version of this what are you talking about so so it's bad advice but i'm too much of a, of a, a nerd for this thing to recommend the the newer graphics but ah uh, yeah you play the newer graphics 
<laughs> with the voice acting. It's a short game. Do both. But so are you going to buy the new Monkey Island or are you going to like play more of the franchise? What's your plan? Yeah, I think I will. Now, if I'm right in saying this, I think the, the new game is sort of positioned itself as a sequel to two. Is that correct? Will I go on about this for a second? Oh, please do. <laughs> so after Monkey Island 2, Ron Gilbert left um, LucasArts for whatever reasons. And so he kind of, you know, you know, he didn't, he obviously couldn't bring the Monkey Island IP with him. So after six years or so, they took another stab at making Monkey Island, but without Ron Gilbert, without actually any of the original creators. Monkey Island 2, Kev, ends. Do you know the ending of Monkey Island 2? I don't. I won't spoil it, so. No, go it on. Has, if, if it's relevant, go on. It ends in this really bizarre way where it, it turns, it maybe turns out that it was all a dream and that Guybrush and villain LeChuck are actually two brothers who are at a, an amusement, who ran away from their parents at an amusement park. Okay. And it's all been, but, but then the very last frame of the game is the little boy who's LeChuck looking at the screen and his eyes glow red. So it turns out there might be some evil dark magic going on here. All is not as it seems. Regardless, regardless, it's a really surreal ending. Yeah. The whole last chunk of Monkey Island 2 is really, really weird. You're down in like tunnels that's like really modern looking. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what's going on? Anyway, it's it's a really it's a really strange, surreal ending, but that's kind of the charm of it. But you know, the guys who got handed the keys to Monkey Island franchise were like, What did Ron Gilbert mean with this? Like, what did he what was the plan here? No one knew. So they did their best making Monkey Island 3. But it's kind of, plot-wise, Monkey Island 3 is kind of like, it's a bit messy. Like, it doesn't really capitalize on the weird ending of Monkey Island 2. And Does it I try to? It No, it, tr- it tries to write it off very quickly. Okay. So, yeah. essentially, and then Monkey Island continued. And I am a gigantic Monkey Island fan, but what I don't, re- what I'm not really interested in is the overarching plot line of yeah. Monkey Island. That's not really what I'm in for, especially because... The fourth Monkey Island game absolutely treads all over it and shits all over it. If you are someone who cares about the overarching plotline of, of Monkey Island, Monkey Island 3 starts to contradict some stuff. Monkey Island 4 just can't. It loves contradicting stuff. It can't even... It can't get... It can't, it, it can't, can't get move enough. for the contradictions. Can't get, it, can't get, it can't get enough of it. And then Monkey Island 5, the tale, Tales of Monkey Island is made by uh, Telltale, you know? So it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, essentially what I'm lumbering towards here, Kev, is that this new Monkey Island is... Ron Gilbert's return to the franchise so it's only going to be a sequel to Monkey Island 2 it's essentially multiversing the Monkey Island franchise by by saying you know Monkey, this is Monkey Island 3, 4 and 5 are no longer canon this is a sequel to 2 however in saying that they have been very cryptically referring to how well essentially there's a character in the trailer called Murray the talking skull yeah who is here's me being more hyperbolic about things he's my favorite character in Monkey Island Interesting. <laughs> he's my at least my favorite non Guybrush character. He's a, he he and he first appears in Monkey Island three. So it seems to be what they're doing is this is a sequel to Monkey Island one and two, but they're handpicking what they like from the ones that they didn't work on. So Murray Murray is a character who appears in three and four and five, but they're bringing him in because he's a fan favorite and everyone loves him. So I guess we won't know until we play the game exactly what the canon is. Yeah, but like I said, the canon of Monkey Island is not the most important thing in the world i'm kind of more just happy to finally see what ron gilbert will do with a third monkey island game because it feels like he always planned it as three and okay monkey island, yeah and monkey island 2 ends it on such a like 
experimental. It's so experimental, but it's clearly he had a plan for it. He clearly has something he was trying to cook up with this. So, Jesus, 30, 30 years, 31 years later, let's see. <laughs> see what he meant to do all those years ago yeah fascinating. He, probably he probably changed his mind it's 31 years ago it's probably not going to be exactly what he would have made but it's still cool to see him get his hands on this, his beloved franchise again which he did not own the IP for for ages he had to fight for it yeah I saw he um, at one stage was was on Twitter begging Disney to sell it to him essentially yeah Disney bought um, Lucas right yeah, when they when they bought Star Wars and all that, yeah, yeah, and then exactly, Indiana Jones yeah. and all that, they got Lucas Arts and they essentially liquidized it. Yeah, they kind of they they gutted the development side of it and just yeah. kept it alive, basically as a legal entity that holds the rights to their IP for video games. Yeah, and Lucas Arts back in the day would would have also made Star Wars games, but yeah, now, who is it now? Give EA, EA have the Star Wars IP today? EA, yeah, I think the EA exclusive deal has just ended, hasn't it? Which is why we're getting. Um, not to rag on David Cage every episode, but it's why he's making um, <laughs> uh, a Star Wars game that's definitely absolutely going to suck. David Cage, I think I, I think I deleted that information from my memory. Yeah, remember at the Jeff Keighley Awards for Excellence was it last year when they had this big opening speech about um, uh, condemning uh, abuse in the games industry. Oh God, and yeah, then I do. instantly yeah, yeah. was just like, anyway, here's a trailer from David Cage. You couldn't write that stuff; like it was completely tone deaf. But at least, at, but at least we're getting another Monkey Island game. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying I said this in the episode I did, um, games that deserve sequels. Yeah. The reason I did that video was because this was on the the forefront of my mind uh, for years and years that this was the main sequel. I wanted. I just. I and 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 they've said as well. This isn't like the return to it. For you know, let's do several more games. No, this is just him putting something to rest. They're making one more. Yeah, and it feels much nicer to kind of put it like I don't. I don't have to be a fifty-year-old man going. Ron Gilbert never got to make his third Monkey Island game. <laughs> I'm talking to my my child on the vid screen because they're living on Mars, but I didn't have the money, so I'm still on the. Um planetary colonies so how's uh how's watching the expanse been treating you buddy don't tell people i'm watching the expanse <laughs> i think you told them because <laughs> everything I, sh I say should be like witty and i don't know and i don't want i don't want people to see that i'm absorbing the thing i'm currently watching because that's all <laughs> only things that are in the forefront of my brain can <laughs> come out but anyway i'm like i was saying i'm glad i'm glad they're getting one more game i'm incredibly excited but uh you haven't played monkey island two three four five are yeah. you going to like and like even more important you haven't even listened to my monkey island 2 episode out of fear of spoilers of which there well, are exactly. many yeah yeah um so i have monkey island 2 downloaded on my laptop ready to go it's what i'll be playing next mm -hmm. um and that should line me up around the release of this new game and then i'm basically just gonna let you play the new one and tell me should i play it immediately after two or should i hang on yeah. and get through the others first my assumption would be that it, one and two should be fine. Yeah, but like I said, there's going to be there's at least one character I know of who's straight from three, so but I doubt it'll be important. But um, I doubt this is going to be the last time I I manage to worm Monkey Island into this podcast. I'd be I'd be shocked. Yeah, I'm, I think I, there's a non-zero possibility that we'll do one in about four weeks about the new game. Well, did you know actually? In, hey, look, listen, lore. The only, unless Marcy and Owen have done something I don't know about, the only piece of Hey Look Listen lost media ever 
is a Curse of Monkey Island episode I did that I hated and I didn't release it. Really? Yeah, I, I recorded an episode about the third Monkey Island game and I did it in the same vein as what I did with Monkey Island 2. I tried to like analyze it puzzle by puzzle. Yeah. Because, you know, Monkey Island 3 might be my favorite one. Oh. Uh, on two, Monkey Island 2 has the high points. Uh, you haven't listened to my Monkey Island 2 episodes, so you don't know these points I've already made. I, I, I think the first two parts of Monkey Island 2, essentially the first two chapters, yeah. are probably the best point of click adventure games ever get. Oh, like I, I think that's for me it's the gold standard. Uh, that alongside the likes of Dave the Tentacle and stuff, that that's about as good as it gets me in terms of like webs of puzzles, Kev. You know, yeah. But I think all in all, with the voice acting, with the art style, with the great puzzles, as my favorite side characters, I think all in all, the Curse of Monkey Island is my favorite Monkey Island game. But I recorded it and I did it, and I was just like, this is kind of like, well, why do it again? You know, I I, I felt like I had some sort of point with doing it with Monkey Island too. Mm-hmm. Like with Monkey Island three, I was just kind of going, oh, and then you do, and then you cut the tree with you, you cut the tree with the knife, and it's a fun puzzle. So I, I remember literally, I, I messaged you that day, Kev, and I was yeah. like, I didn't tell you, but I was like, do you wanna? record an episode tomorrow <laughs> and we did um i know exactly we did Oberdin and papers please okay so there's this episode of monkey island i, I don't know where it is actually no it's definitely on my computer of course monkey island but why am i talking about yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> well, when... I'll, I'll tell you what i'll get around to playing curse someday and we can um we can have yeah. a golf regarding one then yeah, I'm just. It, I was I'm almost saying to zero doubt. I, I want to do another Monkey Island episode, especially since Return to Monkey Island is coming out next week. Um, yeah, but well, a bit more. Just look at the calendar, a bit more, and I'll probably want to talk about that because I don't know. It's a, it's an event for me. It might not be an event for a lot of people out there. What's the big game at the end of the year that people are looking forward to? Give uh, the... uh, Dad of Boy Rub It Up. The what? Oh, God of War. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do care about God of War as well. I wanted you to say something like Call of Duty, so it could be really sassy. So I could be like, Yeah, yeah. I knew what well, you were going for, and I would give it to you. <laughs> well, that this is my game. This is my most anticipated game of of twenty twenty two, and I also I'm not one hundred percent sure I love it. But I'm, I think I'll, I think because I've I've seen some red flags, but I'll leave that as a kind of mysterious end. Yeah. To the episode, do you, do you like that mysterious end? I think yeah, it's kind of just a trail off. Should we? Should we just go quiet for a moment? <laughs> no, we can edit that out. <laughs> okay. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us on this Monkey Island-themed episode of Hey Look Listen. My name was Liam Sheehan. And I was Kevin O'Carroll. Join us next time, please. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>